Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Jordan Metterick. How are you, my friend? So glad to be here. We're both, you and I are both in the uh, latitudes of the frozen north. So we're uh, in misery together, as, as they say, it loves company. So we're frozen, but we're happy. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one of those things where I like, find myself consistently complaining about weather. And then when you were complaining about weather, when we came on, I was Yes, I'm not alone. <laughs> United in our hatred for for negative 16 degree weather. Yes. Same, same. Oh my gosh, Jordan, it is such an honor to have you here today. So excited to talk about your journey. I mean, it's been a hell of a journey so far. And I'm like, I can't wait to hear like all the details because what you're up to in the world right now is absolutely incredible. And of course, hearing the story of how you got there is always a gift. So for my first question for you, my friend, if you're ready. Rock and roll. What inspired you to where you are today? Oh, boy. As kind of a precursor to that, I was raised in kind of a larger family, family of seven. My dad's a pastor. My mom was a teacher. So the phrase that I use probably too often is that the silver spoon we ate from came from goodwill. There's no handouts, low-income family, but very tight relationally. And with my dad being a being a pastor and mom being a teacher, it was instilled this concept of giving and of stewarding people forward and helping people in their own life. But I also recognize that when you don't have a lot of resources at that time, even though our upbringing was amazing, you don't have a whole lot of choice. So I realized very early on at probably the age of eight or nine, that if I wanted to get something different, I'd have to do something different. And so I'm, I'm the only real entrepreneur in the family or even in extended family that was crazy enough to dive into this entrepreneurial mission, really, and just to take the risk. And so I've had essentially 21 different jobs or businesses or things that I've started that have ultimately either done okay and fizzled out or just failed straight up or or whatever. And, and so I think each time that you fail or something falls apart or, or whatever, you're learning and they all add up together. So you can take one tiny piece. I take a piece from my newspaper route that I had as a kid. I was a sham wow salesman that taught me how to convert people really quickly and how to accept rejection. I used to work at the Disney store. So under, I understood retail and understand consumer psychology and uh, standards of excellence. I owned a video production company to learn how to create videos. And each one of these things, they add up on top of each other to help you to create who we are today. So again, I, I, I don't see anything as a failure. I see it very much as a, as just a stepping stone to where we are now. And so even the, the things that I'm doing now, it's just a stepping stone to the next thing and it'll all add up. I love that Jordan. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now question for you, like as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what was your dream? I wanted to be a professional magician believe it or not. So from the age of about six to, I'm not even kidding, about 22, I was a traveling magician. I'd perform all over the country and do, they're like illusion shows. So we'd have a big stage and have big people there and do performances and whatnot. And so I was really pursuing that. And it all kind of came to a screeching halt when I ended up working for what was at the time, the world's largest magic show is actually in Branson, Missouri. And that particular 
magician who was there just did not treat people well. It was like a complete detraction from my ethics. And so it's like, if this is what this industry is like, I don't want to be involved. So I ended up killing the dream through lots of, uh, lots of tears and having spent it over a decade, you know, invested into that, but really a magician is an entrepreneur as well. Like you're constantly having to sell yourself, constantly have to improve your craft, your product, make it better, make it better, figure out referral systems and do all of that. So, but again, I was never afraid of trying, you know, trying something new and really being on my own. And that, that was the the goal ultimately. And I think everyone listening here, I would imagine is the goal is to really have your own choice freedom because there's nothing comparable to being able to choose what you do, when you do it, how you do it, and ensuring that you have a roof over your head at the end of the day. Absolutely. I love that. A magician. I love that. Oh my God. Well, you're kind of bizarre. Yeah. Well, you're, you're kind of a magician now just in the marketing realm, right? So it it together, right? Oh my God. That's so awesome. And you had spent a decade in that. Yeah. So as, as a kid, all the way growing up to being post, like or in the middle of college, but again, I just see it as a, as very much as a stepping stone, but learning some of those things. In fact, a lot of those fundamentals about creating an experience for people, even with the, the willing suspension of disbelief, which is what's required. If you're going to go watch a magic show or even Cirque du Soleil or whatever you have to, or even a movie, this willing suspension of disbelief that I want to be brought through this experience. So now all of my marketing is very experiential. And so learning some of those foundational facets led into the video production company, which is essentially making magic in video. And then moving into business is just magic and marketing and client experience. So it very much translates over. And so I'm thankful for that. That is so interesting. You know, what's crazy is, you know, sometimes we think we're rerouted and things aren't connecting, but when you look at it, over time, you're like, oh my God, it all intersects. Like it's all part of the puzzle and it all makes sense. Cause sometimes we just think, Hey, I just want to be where I'm meant to be. And it's like, no, no, you need this stepping stone. Like you said, that's going to navigate us forward. So like for me, I had restaurants and without the restaurants, I wouldn't have been a beast in real estate because I wouldn't have had the patient multitasking mode, you know, to do that. And for me, I remember for the longest time, because I like I started two restaurants when I was around 21 and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Hey, I don't like this, but I, you know, I feel like a failure. Right. And then after being becoming successful in real estate, realizing how important that restaurant experience was for me. So it's just so interesting to see how your magician days, like at that point in time, you thought like life was over, like, but it actually paved the way for something else. And, you know, really built that foundation for you, which is so cool. So cool. Oh my gosh. Jordan. And who or what motivated you a lot when you were growing up? It could be anyone, anything. I had a lot of admiration for my dad who essentially, uh, he was a church planter. So he'd go around and he'd he'd plant a church, get it up and running for about a decade and then pass it off to another person. And so that's, it's like the exact same model as an entrepreneur, except he didn't get paid for it. Right. Like not nearly what it's worth. Right. So that model is really intriguing to me, but I also kind of had a rich dad, poor dad situation where my best friend, his dad was a software engineer, created the software for the GPS locators for waste management companies. So they could track their trucks and where they went. And he developed that and sold it and they did exceptionally well. And so they brought me on Disney cruises and I went on trips with them and they're out at their cabin and they're out doing all these things and bringing me with them. And, and it was like, man, that's what it's like to live an entrepreneurial life and to embrace the risk, right. And embrace the potential outcome for failure. And 
eliminate the security blanket of a salary or hourly wage, whatever, and to say, hey, I can go forge my own path and and move things forward in that way. So with that, I, I learned that, hey, you can still treat people really well, care for people, help them to win, but also be financially successful at the same time. And I think the only path for that is entrepreneurship. It's the absolute hardest battle that you can fight, but it's the best choice I think that you can make if you're willing to embrace those inevitable, I'm saying inevitable failures and difficulties and problems that will come through just like real estate. I mean, I, I dabbled in real estate and did not do super well, right? It's just another, another thing, but I'm sure if I stick with it for one, three, five, 10 years, you know, things just start to unravel for you in, in a positive way it helps to reveal this amazing gift that we can take our skill set and apply it and know where, where are the failure points? Where are the, the barriers? What, you know, how did my rich dad, so to speak, how did he deal with failure? How did he deal with when things were hard? And I see him working exceptionally hard all the time. And yeah, they would play hard too. And working hard facilitated the ability to play hard as well. That is awesome. That is awesome. It's so cool to see those models from such a young age and kind of see them manifest like the rich dad, poor dad situations. I had something similar too. That's so cool. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Cause you had mentioned that you were the only entrepreneur out of your family. So it's really hard when it's ingrained in your family line that, you know, if everyone's working corporate or for somebody else, for somebody to come out and just be like such an awesome entrepreneur from day one. And at such a young age too. Everyone's going to forge their own path. It's your life and you've got one of them. And the, and the odds of you existing are so categorically uh, astounding. The fact that any of us there, Neil deGrasse Tyson says that there are more humans, far more humans who have not been born than those who have been born. So the fact that we're here, we have this chance to try to maximize this through all the difficulty. But at the end of the day, our life is a, is a speck of dust. It's a tiny blip of life. And during this time, we can choose to build amazing things, even through challenges and to make a difference in the world and make the world better. Absolutely. Spoken like a true heart-centered entrepreneur. I love that, Jordan. <laughs> I love that. I mean, like for me, hearing your transition from being a magician to getting into video production, right? That, that was your next move after that. How did that pivot happen? Because again, you know, there's probably somebody listening right now that maybe is going through a transitional phase and they feel like they're a failure or that, oh my God, this didn't work out. Like this was my plan. Like what the hell? You know, I feel like there's a lot of people in this pivotal moment right now. What would be your advice and what was your experience through, throughout that pivot? I think you need to celebrate when things are in the winter season. We're joking, you know, in the podcast here at the beginning and talking about being in a winter season and there are going to be winter seasons in your life where things are slow and maybe not completely thriving and blossoming. And you embrace that with the ebbs and flows of life. It's the same thing in the stock market. It's the same thing in real estate. Everything goes up and down. So we can't just celebrate the highs and not honor the lows. We have to celebrate and honor all these all these even pivot points. So I mean, I know what that was like, and I've done it enough times to know what it feels like where things feel low and it's like, I'm not clear, but I, I love this phrase. And I kind of coined this idea that you should embrace uncertainty, but reject doubt. So embrace uncertainty, but reject doubt. What does that mean? It means that there's a lot of unknowns and that's okay. And embrace that, that, Hey, that maybe there's a time where like your business goes under, I've had businesses go under, you get fired. I've been fired. Uh, you quit something. That's a really good opportunity potential for something better. I've been there. Right. 
And so there's a lot of unknowns on the other side of that coin, but to reject doubt means that I don't, I can believe and understand that there are unknowns on the other side, but to transition strongly into something else is to believe first, I think in ourself. And if anyone happens to be spiritual, to believe that there is a power that, you know, can help guide us in in the right direction. And for me, that's what God gives me is clarity and gives me faith knowing that there is a better side when a door closes, a window opens, so to speak. So yeah, really moving from all these different jobs into what I'm doing now, video production was the gateway into that. So I was making a bunch of videos. In fact, there was the big kicker was I was doing tons of commercials and for like Verizon and 3M and Sony and making all these really cool commercials. And it was great, but I was broke as a joke. Like there was not a lot of money coming in from making these uh, these various advertisements, you know, maybe two or 3,000 bucks a month, low income, government subsidized housing in Branson, Missouri, freshly married, just completely broke, but knowing that there was a bright future ahead. So I was able to create one video that was for a company called 99 Designs and I was the homepage explainer video. So I entered a contest, won the contest, and then my video was there. And so it's, it was seen by millions of people. Wow. And from that, all these companies, they said, hey, who's that guy who made that video contacted me and I'd go and, and that really started to make things flourish, right? So it really just takes one pivot point. But one of those clients was someone who's in the direct response marketing space. And they said, hey, we've got a ton of video projects. We want you on f- full time. Are you interested in doing that? I was like, you bet your butt. I will. I am interested. And so they actually hired me at about 8,000 bucks a month. So it was my first client that would that come with monthly recurring revenue for about eight grand. And I thought this is what fancy people did. So I actually celebrated at Ruby Tuesday because I thought that's like where fancy people. Yeah. So that was my broke version of celebrating. And so, but that was life-changing for me. And I ended up coming full-time, becoming a partner in that company. And then really came out to like, Hey man, I really need to be able to, to launch businesses in, in utilizing direct response marketing methodologies, uh, but do that online. And so really that's where drop funnels came from. It was, it was solving my, my own problem that there was not really a platform that would support any new business that I'd want to launch with a tech-free format and, and help me to get going quickly. So that's what led us to today. That is so cool. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I love how it was like one small thing that really like elevated you. Right. And it was like, so I can't, oh my God. So monthly recurring revenue, it was like your first client and they wanted you completely full-time. Like that is awesome. That is awesome. Jordan. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, for you, it's just been like, it's been so interesting seeing the journey through. You mentioned that you started like 20, was it 20 businesses that you said? You started? Yeah. I mean, over time I've had about, it's what I call my 21 jobs, whether they were self-imposed <laughs> or, or being hired in 21 experiences that's gotten me to, to where I am here in each point just built on top. Oh my gosh. And before we get into drop photos, like, can we walk through that a little bit? Because I'm sure that there's some major lessons that you learned throughout the journey there. Cause you had mentioned some of them you closed down, some of them you just, just didn't work out. Some of them did. And then, you know, everything kind of led you to drop funnels. I'd love to hear that journey because especially for entrepreneurs listening, man, it resonates. <laughs> yeah. I think entrepreneurs were generally opportunists. Like we'll see an opportunity right now at the point of this recording, there's a huge amount of hype in terms of AI generation and chat GPT. And it's just exploded on the scene 
even though it's been around for a long time, it's just now catching waves and and ex- kind of exploding. So there's a lot of entrepreneurs diving into the AI wave and building offers around those particular tools and skill sets. So yeah, for me, it was kind of always a, I think there's probably two sides of the coin. If you look at it kind of negatively, it's that, you know, I would get something up and running and maybe didn't do as well as I hoped. So I'd go launch something new, right? But to look at it from a positive spin is that there was a better opportunity, right? And having gone through an experience, it's like, okay, I've had that experience. I can wrap that up and put it in a bow and, and put that into my mental memory of, of experience and then leverage that into something new. So kind of an example, you know, with that would be really starting to create some commercials just for some of these video contests, which is really kind of how I started that actually led to working for a a television station that was local to us and then moving up the ranks there and then launching my own full video production company, which led to that primary client. So it's just each one of these things. It's like these building blocks, these Legos, my kids love Legos. So it's like just building that up. And whenever I see, in fact, this morning, we were building a a marble tower, you know, the little marbles that drop down uh, with my second son. And I imagine it's almost like, man, that's what entrepreneurialism is about. It's what building this new thing is all about is that, look, you're going to start out and you have to start with a strong foundation. Where do you get that foundation? Well, I bring that from the past, from past experience. Then I stack pieces on top and it takes me time and I have to think through, wait, that doesn't work. I have to figure out this. Oh, that one didn't work. Let me try this. And then ultimately at the end of the day, you're going to build a tower. You're going to likely tear it down and build another one an even higher one. Right. So some of those lessons, even as it compares to building a marble tower, I think add up to, to where, where ultimately someone is intended to go. I love that. I love that. I just love how everything kind of was interconnected and like, Oh man, man. So you had mentioned that drop funnels was like the piece that was missing and you got that from your video marketing. Well, your video days. So how did that, how did that all come together? Like, how did you birth drop funnels? So I was building, you know, obviously multiple companies and helping other people build companies. And, and there's this, if people are familiar with the concept of a sales funnel, it's a very powerful tactic to help leads or help to prospects to become leads and leads to become customers and to automate that process where you can send in traffic and X amount will go throughout this process. And it creates a lifetime value customer at the end. So there's, that's the psychology but I was also building a lot of you know websites and sales funnels and tools on WordPress. WordPress is a very powerful infrastructure, but it's extremely technical. It has all the tech, but none of the psychology. You got to add plugins and themes and hosting. If you update one thing, it all crashes down to the ground. You better be a programmer because things are not going to sync up very well. And so I was going through that, adding things on top like ClickFunnels or, or Shopify or Kajabi or any of these tools to help me to, to bring a vision to life. And actually the project that really turned the tide or who really pushed me into building this was I, during my video production days, I created a documentary film about addiction recovery in our area. And I was trying to get butts and seats. I was trying to promote that particular film, but it took me months of figuring out building a home site for myself instead of having someone else do it, figure out hosting, figure out domains, all the tech side, which just delayed the process so much. There was no platform that really helped me to bring all these things that I needed into one spot. So as soon as I wrapped up promoting the film, the film did very well too, ended up saying, I need some way to bring the technology and the psychology. So the technology of WordPress and the psychology of sales funnels and eliminating all of that tech and bringing it all into one space. So that's really what Drop Funnels represents is it's a WordPress-based infrastructure 
but with no tech, no plugins, no themes, no servers, hosting, there's nothing that you need to do. You just log in and build whatever your, your mind can imagine. So for me, it was really building what was going to solve my own problem and ended up solving a lot of other people's problems as well. Super cool. Oh my gosh. So you created basically what you needed and then it just took off from there. Oh yeah. If, if anyone actually has a problem and you can solve it, you're actually solving it for bare minimum of a hundred thousand other people. Absolute bare minimum. You can make the most obscure solution for underwater basket weavers, elite dog groomers. You can solve one problem that happens to align with something that you're trying to achieve. And that will invariably create a solution and opportunity for other people having the same problem and they can't solve it. So that's the beauty of it, of entrepreneurship is we can come up with an idea, implement it, and then go solve hundreds of thousands or millions of people's problem at the same time. I love that, Jordan. I love that. And throughout your experience, whether it's been life or in entrepreneurship, what would you say has been like your biggest obstacle and what really helped you power through it? Ooh, we're open up, opening up the can of worms here. My biggest challenge as an entrepreneur and business person, and it's been for a very long time, it's something I battle, I think, daily, is comparisonitis and comparing what I'm doing to other people. And we're, we're really our, our own worst critic, 100% of the time. We No one's voting against us as hard as we're v- voting against ourselves. So I see other competitors in each one of these industries, and I really see them, even if they've been around their longer. They've had a lot more experience. They've gone through all the trials that I probably haven't even been through yet. I was sometimes my first instinct in my brain is to say, I should be able to beat them at this game, kind of that competitive side and to do better. Right. And so when things aren't going so well, it's a lot of self-sabotage, some imposter syndrome issues. And, you know, everyone's going to have, you're going to have your own challenges and maybe, you know, comparisonitis is that challenge. But I think if I could overcome that, and learn to stay in my lane a little better and not compare myself to competitors who have massive budgets and massive capital and huge networks and, and backdoor deals to, to create those things. You know, for me, I think it, it really helped to alleviate a lot of mental stress and, and, and things that I just think about a little bit too often. So I never have the fear of getting something up and running. I'm actually really good at getting things out to the world helping people to get into it. I'm building a course right now on how to build monthly recurring revenue. I have no problem building that and launching that. The problem always comes when I'm trying to, when I find out there's a competitor doing X, Y, Z and comparing what I'm doing to them. It's just not a fair comparison. So I've had to kind of convince myself of better strategies to avoid that that challenge. But for me, that's the biggest challenge that I face. Absolutely. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are the same way, right? Especially when we're starting something new, you ask yourself, who am I to charge for this? Or who am I to mm-hmm. like say I'm the expert here? Or, oh man, we've all struggled with that. I've struggled with that personally too. And it's like, how do you get into your head and say like some, you have to begin somewhere, right? And I'm sure there's entrepreneurs listening right now or aspiring entrepreneurs that are like, oh yeah, feeling that, you know, and for you, Jordan, like, how did you, how do you power through it? Like when you do get those like thoughts, because I feel like for me, it's like a daily thing. It's like, I, it's like, you almost got to be like your own therapist if you will, and just be like, nope, we don't think like that. You know, this is what, you know, this is what it is instead. And like, it's just like, I feel like it's this um, repetitive motion in, in your mind because it does pop up like often, especially mm-hmm. when you have multiple businesses or there's something brand new that you're launching, you know? Yeah. There's uh, the number one thing that I help other entrepreneurs to 
to power through and probably 99%. And I'm not, I'm not being obtuse in saying that an extreme majority of business owners are severely undercharging for their offers. And it's only because of what's in between our two ears where they aren't recognizing the value or they think it needs to be cheaper than the competition in order to be successful. And even the concept of people need to believe fully and wholeheartedly that I'm the expert in this space before I can charge for it. Look, I think belief, a lot of belief in the physical world comes through proof, right? So if you need proof to start to stack the deck in your favor, you should really go go launch an offer for, for free. If you've got, let's say it's uh, you help people get booked on podcasts, go get one person and say, hey, I'm going to get you booked on five podcasts absolutely free. You're going to learn so much through doing that at zero risk to you. And that confidence to go out and say, I'll do it for free. It's like, well, of course it's worth that. All right, great. Now your second client, it's a hundred bucks for five podcasts. Great. And by going through that, you start to believe that you are undercharging, which is a very powerful concept. And we start to feel like we are undervaluing ourselves. You can't stay there, but that's the driving force to increase and to improve the the pricing model of, of all of our offers. So start out for free if you need to. Like don't don't take that as a as a failure point. You're learning. You're learning something new. How often do we beat ourselves up for things that that are inconsequential? Where if you were to go out and actually just help someone for free, one, two, three, five people, you're going to learn everything that you need to truly become an expert in doing that. And people buy experts. So then you can slowly raise your prices as you go. You know, and at some point you're going to build a level of confidence for me. I have no problem creating a $10,000 offer, a $20,000 offer or, or even more. Right. So I think it just comes through stacking proof in your favor. Absolutely. And I mean, everything you mentioned is it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent accurate. And now for you, Jordan, because you have had firsthand dealings in the marketing side of things and you've helped a lot of people on the video side. And then obviously now through drop funnels, what is your best piece of marketing advice that you would give any entrepreneur, anybody with a business, anything based on your experience? Yeah, it's kind of a a loaded answer because it's very dependent on where people are and what's, what's the one ingredient based on where you are to help you to move forward. So my advice to someone who's at zero going to one would be radically different than someone who's at eight going to nine. Right. But I would say, generally speaking, I'll take two sides of the coin. One, if you're just starting out and you're just getting a brand new offer out into the marketplace, don't build a thing until you go and sell it first, even for really cheap or free. Don't go build big websites, big sales funnels. Those are all distractions. They're all distractions before you can collect revenue. In fact, if I could give any piece of advice to my younger self or anyone else who's just getting going, you need to go collect cash, period as the trigger point for permission to go build everything else that's there. Don't go get offices. Don't get a lease. Don't buy furniture. Don't buy business cards or flyers. Don't do any of that. Go validate the offer immediately and get cash collected. Once you do that, you then have cash in order to go do those things, but also to prioritize continuing to do that. For someone who's a little bit later stage, I think there's there's a lot of power in what I call an authority funnel. And I think every business needs needs this specifically. There's lots of different things you can do with sales funnels, but an authority funnel is essentially a website. It looks like a website, but it operates like a funnel. In fact, dropfunnels.com is an example of an authority funnel Mm -hmm. where there's not a lot of links. There's no share buttons. There's no 
distractions or anything. The only thing that we have is a single call to action, which is to push people into the start of the funnel, which is becoming either a lead or a new user. So for any business, no matter what you're doing, I think everyone needs an authority funnel, which is, it looks like a website. So a customer comes in, they feel like it's a website, but instead of the leaky bucket of them leaving to go click on your Instagram and Facebook or share this thing, or like go click around and about me pages and all that, which doesn't, it doesn't help you at all. Having hundreds or even thousands of pages on your website does not help you from a conversion perspective. What does is simplicity and clarity. So have one call to action in the header of your site and in the very first hero section, go look at tonyrobbins.com. It's another great example. There's countless sites utilizing the same framework. I think every business needs it to immediately push people into the start of the funnel. And that's one of the biggest pivots and improvements that I see businesses making, especially once they're post-revenue, like so they're actually generating money. How do I automate my customer acquisition process? I love that, Jordan. I love that you said, you know, get cash in the door first before you start to go like big and heavy and, you know, on all the things. Cause then if you have to tweak it and all of a sudden you've invested so much, <laughs> mm. you know, it's yep. all about risk mitigation as an entrepreneur. How much risk are you exposing yourself to? Right. And making sure that you can prove and back it up that your business or your offer actually works. So I think that's absolutely key what you mentioned. Absolute gold right there. Absolute gold right there. And you were mentioning the authority funnels too, which is super interesting. Now, me, I get lost in the sauce when it comes to these funnels, like all the time. You know, my marketing team's always like handling stuff. I'm like, huh? I'm like, what's what's the best thing? <laughs> so like for as an entrepreneur asking you, like, what have been some of the highest converting funnels that you've ever seen? Because I feel like we get fancy like all the time. And for anyone who's listening, funnels are merely just websites that you put together. And basically like, it's like a one page type of thing. It's not like a full blown website. It's almost like specific to a particular like product or service. And it's just fascinating to me. It's like, what, what actually is like the stuff that converts? Is it just like these one page simple ones? Or is it like the long, fancy, all this copy that you need to edit kind of thing? <laughs> I'm like, I've always struggled with it, you know? The answer to that is yes. To both of them is yes, which is the, the worst and the best answer. Long form sales pages can work brilliantly. Right now, we just sent out an email for someone to jump onto our wait list for our, our new course that we're talking about. There's nothing on the page, but an opt-in form. For them to jump on the wait list. That's it. It was an e a short email with a link to over to, you know, to opt into that short can work too. Um, but what I think is more critical is a, you need to get something, just something up and running. Don't overcomplicate it. Start out with something very short and small and having a clear process for what you want the lead to do. Cause if we don't tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. So if it's opt into this list, if it's buy this product, if it's book a call, those are the three primary modalities, opt-in, buy a product, book a call for a high ticket uh, opportunity. Whatever those things are, everything else is just an amplifier. And, and some of it, it can just become noise in our head, right? Which is why most people feel like it's complicated. And it's like, I, I don't even know what to do with this. Strip all of it away and say, starting point number one is just get something up, something short, sweet, clear call to action. Then you can just improve things as you go. If you're getting, say, imagine this, you've got a, any kind of business. You're like, I just want to generate leads. Great. So build a lead generation opt-in page, which allows them to either claim a training or some piece, piece of value in exchange for information. You're already off to the races. 
you'll probably have between a 20 and 40% opt-in rate on those, which is huge. That's great. And then you can push them over to the next step of the funnel, which might be a call booking. There's a video explaining what it is that you do, how you help people and a call booking form below that. Great. So this is a very simple style of, a, of an authority funnel. Then we have leads. Then we have people who are, may or may not book a call with us. You know, We'll see an average of about 40 to 60% of people who opt in will book a call on the following page. Wow. So, and then obviously the conversion, you might have a 10% no-show rate on those. So 90% of the people booking a call will actually have the ability to pitch to them. So then we're just, it's just a game of numbers. So setting that process up, opt-in page, call booking page, sales call on the back end, and figure out where are things at. If I have a 10% conversion on my opt-in and I can just improve it by making this offer more more tantalizing, I can move that up to 30%. Great. Now we've tripled our conversions on that. And then that just feeds the rest of the funnel. So step one, just get something up and running. Whether someone builds that for you or you build it yourself, depending on where you're at in business. And then two, just optimize, look at your numbers, where are things at, which point do I want to optimize and just focus your energies there. Absolutely. I love that, Jordan. I love that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. As I always get, like, you know, when it comes to marketing, I feel like everyone has entrepreneurs have so many questions and they're like, wait, what works? What, you know, (laughs) what sticks, what doesn't stick. It's so awesome. That's so awesome. And, you know, one of my favorite questions, you kind of already answered it, but I'm going to ask you again, just in case (laughs) to see if there's anything else that you would add to that, which would be, you know, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? And it could be life, business, whatever. That's, that's a good one. What would my older self, I would say that the version of myself five years from now would look back and say, everything's going to be okay. Keep going, keep pushing, keep digging in five years. Mm. The version of me 30 or 40 years from now would probably look back and say, you had the energy, you had the ability, but maybe you doubted yourself too much you should really, really push hard because there's a very bright future on the other side. So time machine version short-term is is perhaps a little bit different than, than long-term. But for me, I'm, I'm literally living my life right now in a way that the 70-year-old version of myself is going to thank me now, more on a personal front than on a business side, because I think our business should amplify and fulfill our lives, not the other way around. So for me, I love, I'm right now I'm, I have a home office and my kids are upstairs playing games and I'm going to go hang out with them after this. And I, I'm never going to regret not spending enough time with them. I'm never going to, because it won't happen. I, I prioritize that. I'm never going to regret working too much because I choose not to do that. And even if that comes at the expense of revenue, building revenue in a company, like, look for me, whether I make personally 30 grand a month, 50 grand a month, hundred grand a month, nothing changes about my life at all. Nothing changes. So for me, it's like, you can give me 200 grand a month, 500 grand grand a month. Personally, after taxes, nothing will change about my life. I live the exact same way. I spend the same time with my kids or with my friends or or whatever. It would just be like, okay, I'm going to go put that money into other investments and do that. But it's a game, right? But life isn't a game. Business is a game. Life, Life is valuable. Life matters. And so what we focus on 
on the personal side of things and even enveloping business into our personal life, I think is key. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that, Jordan, because I feel like also as entrepreneurs, we're always like chasing and like, it's like the next high and the next high and the next high after that, right? Like, it's like, all right, we hit, you know, 50K in revenue, you know, we hit 50K a month, then we go 100, then we go. It's like this addiction that continues, right? Money's like this addiction. And I love that you broke that down and you said like, you know, life, life is most important. Life's not a game, right? Money is, money's money. You can always make more, make less. You'll always make money, especially if you're an entrepreneur. You right. can always just go launch a new thing. I could, I could launch six new businesses like this week if I wanted to, right? And they'd all be cash flowing within the week. I mean, that's possible when you understand the fundamentals and the and the skill set. But it's like for what purpose, right? It doesn't mean don't do it. It means just have intentionality behind what it is that you're building. And how does that amplify your life, your relationships, etc.? Right. Absolutely, Jordan. I love that. I love that. So like, what's up in your world in the next like, six months? Business, life, anything? Yeah, I'm kind of in a bit of a transitionary state and starting to kind of think about what's some cool new things that I can build. And I've got some ideas. I should come back on the podcast in the future just to, to share some of those things because some of them are kind of tight under wraps. But I think that especially with the advent or the invent of AI tools and automation, I'm very interested in the concept of letting machine learning power all of our marketing efforts. So as an example, you come in and you type in, build me a high converting sales funnel for XYZ business. You hit enter and it builds it, images, copy, text, everything is ready to go. And then it also automatically creates a hundred different variants of that exact same concept. So when traffic comes in, it splits it between a hundred different variants at the same time to find the winner. So one might have a 40 or 50% conversion rate, one might have a 2%. So kill the 2% and just rapid, rapid test. So those are the things I'm I'm excited about and I think is where the world is heading. Whoa, I was just going to say that because, you know, obviously we've seen funnels, we're seeing AI kind of pop up like crazy. And I feel like somebody's got to be working on integrating the two because powering that together is going to be like deadly. <laughs> I feel like anyone who figures out that formula, oh my God, that's so exciting. That's so, so exciting. Well, because like copies are really hard thing. Like yeah. what actually sticks, what doesn't stick, what makes sense, you know, what doesn't, you know? So it's super cool that they that's going to be integrated. Wow. I'm mind blown. I'm excited to see where the future heads. And I mean, like, where do you think the future of marketing is going after this, Jordan? Okay. So from a consumer side, it's all about relationship building. That's the future. I think we're far beyond the concept of just like spray and pray kind of marketing, throw it out there, see what the masses are going to buy. And the key moving forward is going to be deeper relationships with customers. So there's what I call horizontal marketing and then vertical. Horizontal means I need to send a particular message or multiple messages out to the audience to find which one is the winner. When I find that winner, then I move deep and I start to move more vertically to build a deeper relationship with customers to know, like, and trust you and ultimately end up spending a lot more with you. So with that, I think the concept of customer journey and relationship building is super critical and is going to shape everything that we do ongoing, especially when everyone, hopefully everyone's hearing me on this, everyone now has access to automated tools like AI, right? So when machine learning is now off the table as some competitive advantage, and everyone has it. It's no longer a competitive advantage. The last thing that you have access to is a relationship. And that relationship cannot be, cannot really be automated by AI. 
Like it can help you with some copy. It can polish up. It can automate your follow-up or, or those things. But I think relationships are going to be going very deep. But for the business side, or if you're the business owner, where do I see things? So from the consumer side, it's relationships. From the business owner side, I think we're really going to see a lot of platforms start to dissolve where you have to manually do things and manually set things up. And AI and machine learning, we can use it. We should use that as an advantage to us to get things set up very quickly. Let's say you have a marketing company, you're building websites for local businesses. There's a website right now. It's called durable.co. You can create a website in about 10 seconds. It will create the website for you in 10 seconds, all from AI. It's shocking and amazing. And all that is is where business owners are going to get to rely on is using intelligence to build our businesses and then focus much more so on relationships with the customers. I love that, Jordan. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your incredible interview today. Like I just loved hearing all your insight amongst many different things, business, marketing, all of the things, Jordan. Now you've got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. I'm on every social platform at, uh, my handle is your bro, Jordo. So Y-O-U-R-B-R-O-J-O-R-D-O. And uh, obviously people can go to dropfunnels.com if you, A, want an example of what an authority site looks like or an authority funnel looks like. But also that's a great tool if you're saying, hey, I want to build it. I want to dive in, build websites, blogs, sales funnels, pipelines, digital courses, and cancel a lot of other subscriptions. That's uh, one of the primary focus points here for us in, in DF. I love it, Jordan. Again, thank you so much for your time today, man. You're an absolute rock star. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Now it's overtime, working like some underdogs. underdogs. underdogs.